This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston, and we're continuing to look at evangelization from a variety of angles and through different lenses. And this week, our lens for the conversation will be the Synod on Synodality. My guest, Todd Cooper, will help us understand a bit more about the synodal process and how it connects with the church's deepest identity. As Pope St. Paul VI wrote, uh, the church exists to evangelize. So how does synodality support that mission and how are we called to participate? That's some of what Todd and I will explore in our conversation. Since the topic for today's episode revolves around the Synod, it makes sense to turn to a few passages from the documents which were provided to the churches around the world and which the Archdiocese of Portland utilized in order to create the framework for local participation. There's a part of the preparatory document which mentions three key actors on the scene of Revelation. The document states that, The first, of course, is Jesus, the absolute protagonist who takes the initiative, sowing the words and signs of the coming kingdom without showing partiality. In various ways, Jesus pays special attention to those who are separated from God and those abandoned by the community, the sinners and the poor in gospel language. Through his words and actions, he offers liberation from evil and conversion to hope in the name of God the Father and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The document goes on to say that the work of evangelization and the message of salvation would not be comprehensible without Jesus' constant openness to the widest possible audience, which the Gospels refer to as the crowd, that is, all the people who follow him along the path and at times even pursue him in the hope of a sign and a word of salvation. This is the second actor on the scene of revelation. The proclamation of the gospel is not addressed only to an enlightened or chosen few. Jesus' interlocutor is the people of ordinary life, the everyone of the human condition whom he puts directly in contact with God's gift and the call to salvation. In a way that surprises and sometimes scandalizes the witnesses, Jesus accepts as interlocutors all those who emerge from the crowd. He listens to the impassioned remonstrances of the Canaanite woman who cannot accept being excluded from the blessings he brings. He allows himself to dialogue with the Samaritan woman, despite her condition as a socially and religiously compromised woman. He solicits the free and grateful act of faith of the man born blind, whom official religion had dismissed as outside the perimeter of grace. So there we have the document laying out two of the essential actors on the scene. And on the other side of my interview with Todd, I'll continue with that reflection. But first, let's listen to my guest as he explains why listening and discernment are key to fruitful evangelization in our world today. 
I'm delighted to be joined today by Todd Cooper, who serves as the Director of Special Ministries of the Archbishop for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Todd, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Miriam. Great to be here with you. Uh, it's great to have you on again. We've had you on before a couple of times, actually. First, uh, you shared a bit of your own story and how you've experienced evangelization in your own life. And then we had you on during the year of St. Joseph, and that was great to learn more about Joseph, St. Joseph and how he can be uh, an example of how we can bring um, the gospel to others. But Todd, today we've got you on to talk about uh, the Synod on Synodality. So I'm so glad to have you here to help us kind of unpack what this is about, but also specifically looking at how it connects to the, the mission of evangelization and renewal, especially here in our local church. So Todd, I would just like to start with um, kind of diving into some of these terms, because some of our listeners might be unfamiliar with what a synod is. Could we briefly go over why we have synods in the Catholic Church? Yeah, thanks, Miriam. Yeah, and, and it is a word that a lot of people are unfamiliar with, uh, but it's, it's a long, strong tradition of synods in the church. And basically, it's a gathering of people to discuss certain issues. Um, the Greek roots of the word synod um, um, connote the meaning together. And uh, obviously, synods have a lot to do with listening. And so a synod really is a convening of, of a group of people to discuss a, a certain topic. That's been the tradition in the church. And um, But, but <clears throat> with this current synod, there's something brand new about it, uh, which uh, the Pope has introduced. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Now let's, let's talk about that. What is this new dimension, this new element of the synod uh, this time around? Well, so typically there's a, what's called a synod of bishops and there's uh, representatives uh, amongst the bishops who are gathered to discuss certain topics like youth and young adult ministry, for example, was a synod that the bishops held recently. Uh, but what Pope Francis has introduced, and this is the first time to my knowledge, you know, in the history of the church uh, is uh, he's asked that all the lay faithful be involved in this uh, synod. And uh, so a key part of the synod, of any synod, is listening. And um, so the Pope has invited all of the baptized faithful uh, to listen to one another uh, on becoming a more synodal church. In other words, becoming a church that listens to each other, where we listen to one another, and where we walk together in faith. Yeah. Todd, what is that going to look like then in our local church in the coming weeks and months, this listening, gathering together and discerning? Yeah, thanks, Miriam. Well, <clears throat> when we got news, <clears throat> excuse me, when we got news of, of um, what the Holy Father was asking of dioceses throughout the world, uh, the Archbishop asked if I would serve as the coordinator for our participation in the Senate here in Western Oregon in the Archdiocese of Portland. Uh, so obviously, I'm happy to do that, and I, it's been it's been uh, great for me to learn about the synod, uh, to learn about um, you know what the Holy Father really is is wanting uh, from us through all this, and uh, so you know we put together a steering committee, and uh, you happen to be serving on that steering committee, <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, but the steering committee really has been looking at um, the guidance and information that's come out from the Vatican and uh, tried to build a framework for our participation in the Senate here. And so basically what that looks like is um, our parishes will be the base of operations for, for how the Senate will unfold, but we're asking our parishes and, and other apostolates and ministries to host what we're calling discernment sessions. And during these discernment sessions, uh, we're asking people to reflect on their own experience of the Catholic Church, 
their experience as a parish community or a, a larger community. And then we're, we're trying to look at, at the whole archdiocese, all of Western Oregon. And ultimately, how can we have an impact here in, in, in Western Oregon? What, what can the church do? What is the Holy Spirit calling the church mm. to do, calling us to do and to be uh, during these times? Uh, before I, I kind of ask more about uh, this, what Pope Francis calls us to do to dream about what steps we can take here in the church, I, I want to focus on this word discernment, Todd, because this has been in, in a, there's something intentional about using this word discernment. This might also be a little unfamiliar to our listeners. We might hear this word, but wonder, well, what is discernment? Is it, is it a type of listening? What, what, what's involved with that? How can we grow in this art of discernment? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Thanks, Miriam. It's a great, great question. So discernment basically is, is trying to um, engage the Lord in prayer mm -hmm. and determine, you know, what is his will for my life? Uh, what, what direction is he inviting me to go? Um, and it's, it's not an easy process to try to find that out. And it involves not only one's own personal prayer and engagement with the Lord, but, but also talking with friends, talking with trusted individuals, talking with, you know, spiritual directors, for example, um, but really trying to determine, you know, what is God calling me and my life to do right now? Um, that's, that's sort of a more personal discernment, but, you know, and, and discernment can happen with anything like, uh, determining whether to take a particular job, you know, that could be a, you know, a discernment activity where it's like, you know, am I being called to this? Is, is my heart interested in this? Um, do I need to take it? You know, all these factors kind of play in. And so it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a process of life that we, we engage in almost every day. Uh, most of us uh, at some level, but maybe we just don't think about it as discernment or call it discernment, but, but that's basically right. what it is. And I know with these moving forward with the efforts of the Synod in the local church, we've talked a lot about the role of Eucharistic adoration and doing our part to help create those spaces where discernment can happen. Can you talk a little bit about why we've uh, placed that time of prayer and Eucharistic adoration really to help lead the way? Yeah, well, there really can be no authentic discernment of God's will without prayer, I mean, mm -hmm. and without invoking the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Father himself has made this clear, and he's invited the church throughout the world, dioceses throughout the world, to really focus on adoration, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, where we're really uh, in front of uh, the Eucharist exposed, where, you know, Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity is present there with us, uh, inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help listen, you know, what is the Lord saying to us? What is the Lord calling us to do? Um, it, it allows us an opportunity to kind of look into the depths of our own hearts and, and be called forth from that and, and really, yeah, any, any effort at discernment really has to be grounded in prayer. And, you know, in the Catholic Church, a preeminent form of prayer is Eucharistic adoration. And so we want to take advantage of that with the Lord being present right there with us. Yeah. Um, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Todd Cooper, who serves as the Director of Special Ministries of the Archbishop for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Uh, Todd, I would love to talk a little more uh, about how this preparation for the Synod is really aligning and coming alongside and 
reinforcing really our efforts here for renewal and evangelization in the Archdiocese of Portland. How do you see this as a unique opportunity to really pick up that momentum to, to strengthen our sense of mission here in the church? Thanks, Miriam. Well, as, as someone who really has been immersed in, you know, uh, everything to do with the Synod and what the Holy Father has been asking us, uh, what dioceses are, are kind of being called uh, forth to do in this synodal process, um, I really, I really genuinely see the connection. I mean, this really is all about evangelization. And I think personally, I think it holds the key to the success uh, of evangelization in our times. Mm. And, and, and the key really is all about listening because that that's really the heart of, of the whole synodal process is listening, listening to one another. And, you know, I'm convinced that how do we engage people in today's culture? Mm -hmm. uh, people who really don't have a high opinion of religion, maybe even reject it outright and have, you know, sentiments against religion um, because of their upbringing or experience. And so it's like, um, you know, how do we deal with that? And I think, I think the, the key um, uh, or the, the silver bullet, if you will, whatever you want to call it, to, to being able to engage the culture is listening to them. And that, that begins on an individual level, um, just engaging people and finding out what are the deepest desires of their hearts you know, asking them about that, you know, in, in a non-threatening way. And, and, and it's a type of listening, Miriam, uh, that, that we're being called to that isn't a listening in order to respond yeah. or a listening uh, so I can give a counterpoint uh, to someone's opinion or to give advice. It's a listening to understand. And to me, that's the heart of it. So we're being called to listen to one another um, and to listen to understand and 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 that's it so the and and that when that type of listening happens there's a bond that's created and a unity begins to develop i see someone as a as a human being as a person you know i learn they share a little bit from their heart and it's hard you know when somebody's sharing from their heart the response is is generally you know a compassion a sense of of of, of closeness and unity uh, for the person and, and what they're sharing, or if it's a joyful sharing of something, then it's a sharing in that joy with them. Yeah. You know, like you said, you've been, you were appointed, I think in the fall to help lead these efforts. So you've been at this for a few months now, Todd, have you already experienced some of this listening in your own kind of work, uh, with individuals or parishes or apostolates, um, have you kind of seen that fruit already? Just the listening and the understanding. Well, it's interesting. I have Miriam, and it hasn't necessarily been directly connected with uh, the synodal process. But I think my own awareness of of the synodal process and what we're being asked to do has really helped me engage in friend, with friends and and other people that I've met. You know, just in the course of ministry. Um, it's, it's given me a different set of ears. Um, and, uh, I'm already, I'm not a great listener. <laughs> I just am not by nature. I want to talk. I want to respond. I want to, you know, so it's been helpful for me personally, just to, you know, and the value of it I've seen, you know, I can think of two conversations I've had, yeah. um, uh, both with people who were just kind of sharing from the heart with me. And I just was able to kind of step back and just sort of like, I don't need to say anything here. I just need to listen 
with compassion, with understanding. Um, because, you know, Miriam, the reality is we live in a broken world and there is a lot of brokenness and hurt out there. I mean, there's joys too, but but really the, 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 there's just so much brokenness and hurt out there and, and people need a healing balm. And, and the healing balm can just simply be a listening ear. Uh, and that begins already a healing process uh, to some of these wounds that have been experienced by people. And Todd, you're not alone. I think a lot of people struggle <laughs> to, to listen. <laughs> and, you. you know, I think of, you know, we go into a number of conversations with friends or family or even a time of prayer, and we have our own script in mind, or our own agenda, our own ideas. And it's a challenge to sort of check that at the door and leave that behind for a moment and just be present and Amen. listen. And, yeah. you know, Miriam, I've kind of realized you know, more and more that I don't need to be threatened by what other people are sharing. And, and to me, if we can let down our guard and sort of, you know, you say, kind of check some of those uh, sort of, you know, knee jerk responses at the door and just, I don't have to be threatened by what somebody else is, is, is saying or sharing. If I just listen, uh, boy, that, that really uh, changes the game. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say too, is that good listeners make good evangelizers then amen yeah that's the that's the starting point for evangelization i'm convinced of it in this age you know i mean i've said this before but you know the church produces beautiful documents we we love to talk we love to preach you know and well we should because the gospel needs to be shared Um, but we're not quite as good at listening and and i think there's a lot of people in our own pews but even beyond that really, you know, uh, the church hasn't listened to, not, not in a, not, you know, with a concerted effort or not with an intentional effort. And I think that's what Pope Francis is really trying to get us as a church to begin to do more and to be better at. Yeah. So when we're speaking of the synod, Todd, we've got milestones, deadlines, there are, you know, dates on the calendar. The synod in Rome is in 2023. But what are you hoping for the long term in terms of the culture we're trying to build here? We don't want things to end just after, you know, we've we've done our part as a local church. What are your hopes and dreams for what the the Archdiocese of Portland will look like? Will it look different after this time? Yeah, I think it will, uh, Miriam, because I even just looked at myself. I'm different already. And, you know, to me, I've always believed that, hey, if we want to change the church, if we want to renew the church, if we want to evangelize the church, it starts with me, you know, as as a leader in the church, uh, as someone who's, you know, um, committed to his faith. um, It starts with me, you know, my own conversion process, my own ability to listen better, my own sort of understanding of things. And so, again, I I find myself changed already. And so to me, that, that gives me hope. And I see, you know. This is a starting point for us, Miriam. I, I don't feel like, you know, even, you know, if not huge numbers uh, engage in the process or are engaged in the process, some will be. And and already that's creating some change in, in hearts. And I think it's a starting point for us and a starting point that can continue naturally. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be the same going forward myself in my own work and ministry because of what I've experienced and what I've learned through this whole synodal process. And, and my hope is, is that uh, others will have a similar experience in terms of change. And, and so that will drive us forward into a future where we hope 
to be able to share the gospel of Christ authentically, to be witnesses of that gospel and in a manner that is going to change other people's hearts and invite them to be a part of our community. Yeah. Thanks for that, Todd. You know, if our listeners go to learn more about the Synod, one of the things they'll discover is that the, the theme of this Synod is, so it's on synodality, but it's broken down into these three dimensions of um, communion, participation, and mission. Is that correct? Right. right. Yep. Yeah. Do you just, just want to touch on that briefly, how you're understanding those three dimensions of the Synod? Yeah. Well, communion obviously is a huge word, and that has a lot to do with unity. Yeah. So, and the Archbishop has talked about this too. He's hoping that the synodal process is, is a process that will begin to help forge some unity. There's so much division in our church, but I think, I think when we begin to listen to one another, um, that unity already begins to develop when we authentically are listening to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that would be, you know, that whole idea of communion. We're in communion with one another, obviously in communion with God, listening to God through prayer as well yeah. uh, is a critical element. We can't leave that out. Uh, yeah. But listening to God and listening to one another uh, creates that sense of communion. And then participation is we want to engage people in the life of the church, you know, more than just showing up for Sunday mass uh, each week. Um, but but how am I, you know, engaged in, in life and ministry even outside of that, you know, sort of basic, um, you know, practice for Catholics? Uh, so participation, we want to, you know, sort of uh, enlarge our participation and, and help people to, to participate in ways maybe they haven't before. Uh, and mission, obviously, is all about evangelization. Uh, and so it's like, well, you know, again, this is this is setting us down a path that I think that the, the world needs right now. I mean, we have what the world needs. We have, you know, the message of Jesus, the saving message of Jesus. We have the message of a God who loves us, who a God who loves each individual person who created each person uh, and loves us. And we need to be that face of Christ uh, to, to those we engage. And mm-hmm. and to me, that that's that's the mission. And and uh, so again, this is this whole central process. I think is setting us down this path. For listeners who want to learn more about the Synod and also how they can get involved locally, where would they go? Well, I think, you know, two places. One is is the Archdiocesan website is a good resource. Uh, you just go to the homepage uh, of the Archdiocesan. So just type in the Google search Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. And, uh, uh, and then there's a button for the Synod. You'll find that uh, easily. So there's some resources there. But but I would encourage people to go to their local parishes uh, because and find out, you know, what's happening in their local parish with these discernment sessions. Uh, how are they uh, trying to engage people in this synodal process? Okay, thanks for that. Uh, I know one of the resources folks will find is a prayer that is being prayed around the world uh, as we uh, are going through these efforts to prepare prayerfully for the synod. Um, could you share with us that prayer, Todd, as we wrap up this episode? Could you lead us in that prayer? I would love to. Yeah, it's a wonderful prayer, Miriam. And it's a prayer that um, was used uh, during the Second Vatican Council. It's a, it's a particular prayer to the Holy Spirit, uh, which is which is a little unusual. We don't often pray directly to the Holy Spirit. So it's a little bit unique that way and kind of neat. Um, but yeah, so this is a, a prayer uh, that comes from an ancient prayer to the Holy Spirit. Uh, called the Ad Sumus. And um, anyways, it's just inviting the spirit into our hearts. So I would love to, to lead us in prayer to conclude. Thank you so much. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We stand before you, Holy Spirit, 
as we gather together in your name. With you alone to guide us, make yourself at home in our hearts. Teach us the way we must go and how we are to pursue it. We are weak and sinful. Do not let us promote disorder. Do not let ignorance lead us down the wrong path, nor partiality influence our actions. Let us find in you our unity so that we may journey together to eternal life and not stray from the way of truth and what is right. All this we ask of you who are at work in every place and time in the communion of the Father and the Son forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's beautiful, Todd. Thank you so much for your time today. And I hope God can just continues to bless you uh, and your ministry and especially all these efforts uh, preparing for the Synod. Thank you so much, Todd. Thanks so much, Miriam. Great to be with you. God bless you. Now, I promised I'd continue with the three actors described in the preparatory document. We've already discussed the role of Jesus and the crowds, and in paragraph 19, we read that, Among those who follow Jesus, the figure of the apostles, whom he himself calls from the beginning, having given them the task of mediating authoritatively the crowd's relationship with Revelation and with the coming of God's kingdom, clearly becomes prominent. The third actor's entrance on the scene occurs not thanks to a cure or a conversion, but because it coincides with Jesus' call. The election of the apostles is not the privilege of an exclusive position of power and separation, but the grace of an inclusive ministry of blessing and fellowship. Thanks to the gift of the Spirit of the risen Lord, they are to guard the place of Jesus without replacing Him, not to put filters on His presence, but to make it easy to encounter Him. The text continues, Jesus, the crowd in its diversity, the apostles. This is the imagery and the mystery that must be constantly contemplated and explored in depth so that the church may increasingly become what she is. None of the three actors can leave the scene. If Jesus is absent and someone else takes his place, the church then becomes a contract between the apostles and the crowd and whose dialogue will end up following the plot of the political game. Without the apostles authorized by Jesus and instructed by the Spirit, the relationship with the evangelical truth is broken, and the crowd, whether it accepts or rejects Jesus, remains exposed to a myth or an ideology about him. Without the crowd, the apostles' relationship with Jesus becomes corrupted into a sectarian and self-referential form of religion, and evangelization, which emanates from the direct self-revelation that God addresses personally to all, offering His salvation, loses its light. Again, that's taken from the Synod's preparatory document, and I know, my friends, that we do not want to allow evangelization to lose its light. So let's remember to turn always to Jesus, who is the chief protagonist in all of these endeavors. Let's be grateful for the bishops and priests descended from that line of the apostles who, as the document spells out, they're there to guard the place of Jesus without replacing him, but making it easy to encounter him, which means we have to pray for those who have been called to that responsibility in ministry. And for those of us who might be in the crowd, Let's emerge from that crowd and engage in this prayerful dialogue and discernment with others so that together we can make our appeal to the Holy Spirit to illuminate the path ahead. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston. I hope you'll join me next week as we continue to blaze a trail of faith here in the Pacific Northwest. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. 
You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matre Radio in Portland, Oregon.